Welcome to the Menopause Mastery Podcast, a show for women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, living life with a purpose. I created this show because I knew that women just like me in this second season of life, the season of menopause, are really tapping into their deepest desires. And we're ready to harness our physical and mental health and explore what our true passions are and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what we want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking the complex science and making it easier to integrate into daily life. So let's join the journey to make this season the best ever. Welcome back to Menopause Mastery. You've heard the old saying that you are the sum total of the people you spend time with. Today on our show, we have somebody who I have the joy and pleasure of several times a year spending quite a bit of time with, uh, Dr. Rika Galbraith. And Dr. Rika has been a successful leader in women's health and helping families optimize their health for over two decades. She's board certified in family medicine, so she's done everything from delivering babies to managing family care in both a clinic and a hospital. She's now exclusively a leading functional medicine consultant certified by the Institute for Functional Medicine. She's also an international speaker and mentor to practitioners, having trained over hundreds of practitioners. And she's an expert in environmentally acquired illness. And as a woman and entrepreneur, she's passionate about empowering women leaders, really to optimize their health and performance. And her ultimate goal is to empower women to optimal health and in turn have them help their families and empower the families and their tribes. She has expertise in longevity and performance, autoimmune disease, and nutrigenetics. She successfully runs retreats for women's groups, programs online, and she sees patients in her clinic in Illinois called Simply Health Institute, just on the outside of Chicago. And today we're going to talk about everything from peptides to how you can really look at longevity and what's the difference between your biological age and your real age. This is going to be a great episode. So thank you for joining us. Let's get with Dr. Rika. Dr. Rika, I am so happy to have you on the show today. And, you know, like I said in my introduction, uh, Rika and I are friends. And so <laughs> this is even more important because we're, we're friends and I've gotten to know you over the last, really, I think we met the first time probably almost a decade ago, but knowing each other, especially through our mastermind relationship. And so I would love for you to start out and tell everybody how you got here, because we all have unique stories and I'd love to, to know yours. You know, when I was a little girl, I had several dreams. I had a dream of becoming a doctor. I had a dream of, you know, curing just everyone. And I had a dream of having a family. And at the end of the day, none of those almost were actualized based on kind of my healthcare journey. And I very quickly realized when I got into private practice that I couldn't cure anyone. People would come in and tell me I'm tired. I'm tired. That was probably the number one complaint. And I do their lab work. And, you know, I do their exam. Remember when we had time to do exams and they come back and, you know, we were trained as traditional doctors to then suggest that they were depressed if their labs were normal. So I had no idea that this would be the, the tipping point for me. And this woman, I was practicing right outside of Seattle, Washington, a little town called Everett, right on the coast, such a beautiful coastline. And she came in and you know, she was middle-aged and said, you know, well, what did my results show? And I gave her the standard byline. Well, your labs were normal. And, you know, did it ever occur to you, you might be depressed and you should start thinking about this. And now I 
cringe. I cringe like ever thinking I said that to someone because she knew she wasn't depressed. I knew she wasn't depressed, but that was the algorithm that they had you go through. And I distinctly remember her walking out of the office and her friend who was with her said, well, what's wrong with you? And she's like, that darn doctor doesn't know what's wrong with me. And I was like, oh, and so then I changed my dialogue. So then I started seeding people's mind before the labs came back because I didn't want to be that darn doctor. But more than anything, I wanted to afford cure. And it took me a long, long time. And little did I know that the whole fatigue issue would become my hero's journey and what led me really to do the the deep dive. And it you know, took multiple illnesses from being so fatigued that I fell asleep at a rock concert. So for those of you that don't know, I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. And the when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened up, we're very prideful of our rock and roll. When I grew up, that's all we listened to. I heard Bruce Springsteen play for that concert back in the day. And then it was lights out. And it wasn't because I was drinking. It was because I was so utterly fatigued. And that would happen over and over again. And I always joke and say, can you imagine what my love life was like when I fell asleep on dates? And, you know, it led to another diagnosis and another diagnosis and another diagnosis. And despite getting that diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, no one ever asked what led to that. And I want to yell and scream and tell women, it's not your bloody thyroid. They're right. It's everything that took your thyroid out. That's the problem. And that's, that's what got me into trouble. And that's what really brought me to where I am today and why we're talking today. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the reality that most everybody in the functional medicine, functional nutrition world, either themselves or their family member, somebody close to them got sick. And it was like, all of a sudden your tool chest is like, wait, the cookbook medicine, the algorithm, the minimal, you know, amount of testing to assume whether you're diseased or not just isn't adequate. And it's just, you know, it's, it's frustrating that decades later, we're still having the same conversation, if not worse, as, you know, insurance companies more and more push into what's allowed to be done. And I think so many people are struggling and it's why so it's so important that, you know, people like you are out there sort of screaming from the mountaintops, like, let's really look at this. So, so you have a method, your approach that that's unique to you. So tell me about this, your method, your 3D protocol, because I think that's important too, because you've obviously been there and recovered yourself. Yeah. So the 3D protocol, so simple to remember. So we're going to say again and again, diet, digestion, detox, diet, digestion, detox. Okay. Get that cadence down. Cause I want you to remember it after we're done. And it's really also about the right order. So what we've seen at my clinic is an explosion of people who want to come work with us and they've either not gotten any gains somewhere else, or they've been made worse. And you really need to treat in the right order. Cause one step feeds off the next feeds off the next feeds off the next and down out of order. And this is why people, when they do juice cleanses, okay, they've never eaten a healthy day in their life and they get to go on this, you know, health kick and they're going to do a juice cleanse and then they're made to feel really worse. So then they stop and they say, this is for the birds. I can't do this. And so don't, don't do a juice cleanse if you're not eating healthy to begin with. And in general, I'm not really a big fan of juice alone for a variety of reasons, but that those are the, the three steps. I'm happy to go into them unless you had other questions. No. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So, cause you know, lots of, if you go online. Let's face it. And I'm sure my listeners is kind of like diet schizophrenia. There's a thousand diets out of there. So you're like, today I'm going to be this tomorrow. I'm going to be this. So, so there's, there's definitely some that are better researched and have better outcomes. Let's talk a little bit about kind of your protocol and how you think about it. I love acronyms because then people will remember and I call it the task method. So I'm going to put you to the task to eat an abundant nourishing diet. So at the end of the day, regardless of what we do for short term, 
to figure things out. The long-term goal is to nourish your, your body and eat in abundance. And I think we in functional medicine are, have probably gotten away from that. And I think what happens is that we, for a very good reason, put people on these elimination diets, but no one then maybe instructs someone that, hey, you have to come off that diet. Like you have to reintroduce foods and you can't eat in a narrow window or you could end up making things worse. And I did have that happen to a patient. I can tell you about that later. So the T stands for track. The A is for add. The S is only then do you want to subtract. So we give you a couple of weeks to bring awareness to what is actually missing out of the diet. And then the last letter is keep. So it's track, add, subtract, keep. So that's the ta- puts you to the task of eating an abundant, and I call it the abundant diet 365. So you should be eating abundantly most of the time. But there's about eight or nine variables, and I can kind of quickly go through that. And they're, you know, kind of common to most people. You know, eat the colors of the rainbow is one. Eat eight to ten servings of fruits and vegetables. Uh, make sure your macros are in balance. And I teach people like here's approximately where you need to be, and then we play with it. Go up for people who are losing weight or losing muscle mass as they age in the protein. You know, maybe go down in the carbs if someone has high blood sugar, and then I'll have them track. How many different foods do you eat in a week? And I I would venture to guess that the average American or probably worldwide, it's about a dozen to 15 foods. So we say, hey, can you strive to get to the goal of 35 foods? And I once kind of was very mindful. And when I was very mindful, I hit 35. But if you're not very mindful, you're not going to. And the reason that piece of eating the variety of foods and rotating foods is so, so important think of your bacteria. What they do is they feed on your food as their fuel. So that's their fuel. And then they release the byproducts, which is our fuel. And we call that fuel. It's a fancy term. So just think of it. It's human fuel and it's fuel for our colons. It's fuel for our immune system. It's fuel for us to make all our brain chemicals. So we feel happy and calm. And so when that, the bacteria releases the, the fuel, it's actually the waste byproducts. We call those short chain fatty acids. And if you eat in a narrow window, the number of short chain fatty acids goes down. And guess what? All of a sudden your immune system may not function. Guess what? You may not make neurotransmitters. And I had that happen to a woman and I'd love to share her story. It was the most significant worst case I've ever seen in a decade on what happens when you narrow your diet. And unfortunately for all of us women, you know, who, especially those who are weight conscious, it doesn't help with weight loss. It actually can hinder weight loss. And so I give short chain fatty acids. So if I am going to restrict someone, say we have a special needs diet, we have to put someone on a diet that's really restrictive. I'll support those short chain fatty acids. Then we look at, are you eating resistant starch? So those prebiotic foods. So are you supplying the right kind of fuel to those bacteria? How much fiber are you eating? And then the last part is like, can you eat a balanced plate? And I just say, this is the way I eat healthy in restaurants. So I draw the, the plates on the piece of paper. We can have them go out with and half the plate is veggies quarter of the plate is protein to their needs. So remember it's calculated and the other quarter of the plate is other, and it could be complex carbs. If you're not struggling with blood sugar, it can be additional veggies. It could be low sugar fruits or, and then we also say, and then you want a serving of fat off to the side as a condiment or, you know, uh, to your needs as well. And that's going to vary. And Sadly, you know, there's all these raving, you know, ketogenic diets, probably genetically appropriate for what, 20%, maybe a little bit more. And long-term, it's not really good for you because it narrows the the microbiome. It kind of changes that. And all of a sudden, then you're leaking your bad bacteria into your bloodstream. And that's a bad place to be. So you need that resistant starch. And 
So what are your thoughts? Isn't that a neat way to remember? Hopefully the audience will remember. I'm putting you to the task, okay? Pick one of those criteria. Where are you the most deficient in and add one thing? So the goal is not to have them add, to, you know, if they're eating 10 foods to add 20 more foods, go up by one or two. Experiment, rotate what you eat, right? Yeah, no, I agree. You know, if you look just even 25 years ago, you know, we have a global food supply today. So, you know, our, our vegetables actually have frequent flyer miles because you can get strawberries all year round. You can get pluots all year round. You can get all these really esoteric foods and also the regular foods every day. So people tend to order or buy the same stuff. And it's not how our ancestors ate. And our ancestors ate what was available and they were an opportunistic hunter. So they ate a wide variety and they ate a broad variety. We aren't cats. We didn't eat just meat, right? We may, you know, Northern Europeans, we might've had a couple months there where stuff was scarce and we were chasing down rabbits. But for the most part, humans are designed to eat a wide variety of things. And I disagree that we should narrow our foods because that's a guarantee that those foods will never or be very, very difficult to reintroduce later on if you've been spending years removing 80% of the opportune foods that are out there. And you're right, it does kill off the microbiome and radically change what they're up to. I agree. So everybody, task. Task. (laughs) And the reason why that step is first, this is really important to know because, you know, they did a study. So there's this great documentary, if people want to do a deeper dive, called The Gut Movie. And I did a public showing here um, for in our, in Oak Brook, it's about half hour outside of Chicago at a theater and we had over 110 tickets sold to go Uh, a blizzard hit. So we ended up with about 60 people show up and it was really fabulous. And what it did was the summary of it is they highlighted a producer out of Australia who was eating the standard Australian diet, very sad diet, just like our standard American diet, very sad diet. And they did a poop test on him or stool test before he left Australia and they evaluated and then he flew to Namibia and he ate what the indigenous local people ate. So he ate off the land, all whole foods that was available, that they hunt and kill, that they grew. And they did a repeated stool test in seven days. And his um, gut microbiome, which is hugely influential to our health, went from inflamed to non-inflamed in seven days. And some people say even shorter than that. So I highlight that if you get the diet right, you can get rid of most of that bad milieu, not all. So sometimes you have to go in and do a gut healing protocol. And that segues into that second step of digestion. Yeah, yeah. The microbiome and and our gut is, you know, where everything starts. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the order of things. And I think a lot of people that maybe are following people online or reading stuff or reading books, you know, depending on people's paradigm, it's there is an order and the order isn't always the same. It depends really what's going on with somebody. But I I mean, I can tell you here in, in Dallas, we have a clinic that it's pretty much guaranteed everybody that shows up automatically gets heavy metal chelation. And of course, we see <laughs> exactly everybody starts to grab their heart like, oh, my gosh. So like we see the train wrecks that come from that, because if your gut's not healthy, if your food isn't diverse and your microbiome is already leaking, you know, toxins into your bloodstream, like that's a recipe for reaction and damage. Talk a little bit about kind of your thoughts around ordering and why the gut really has to be in that first perspective right behind just diet variety. Yeah. So I have to make a point so the listeners know, please don't get heavy metal chelation like without doing anything first, because you can redistribute heavy metals that are stored in our bone to the brain. And then you're going to see a whole world of hurt. And I've had people like you call into the clinic that have been made worse. And I'm like, I can't advise you what to do. But if I were the patient, I would stop that. And I would seek care 
in a, an appropriate fashion. But yeah, so you're right. You first optimize the microbiome because our microbiome chews up our food and helps us digest. So that and then you want to not have a leaky gut, so we're not reacting to all the foods that we shouldn't be. So you should not be reacting to healthy foods. And what happens is people develop sensitivities to the foods they eat over and over again because they have what we call intestinal permeability or a leaky gut. And then you want to make sure that is someone adequately making stomach acid. And so stomach acid will help us break down our protein, which will then form the amino acids, which then help us detox. That's why juice cleanses. If you don't have a really great muscle structure, don't aren't clean to begin with and have a whole bunch of hot toxins, you go on a juice cleanse and there's no amino acids to help pick up and, and clear out that toxin. So that's why we you need the stomach acid, so that's part of the digestion. You need to be making bile salts. You know, people without gallbladder, that's me included. Had I known what I did then, I probably wouldn't have had my gallbladder out, but I didn't know that. So you want to be able to have that toxin bind to bile, and then it's it's stored in the liver, and then we excrete it. So it needs to mop it up. It's like a cleaning system. And when that backfires, again, you're stuck with a backlash of toxins because the first thing that happens when we are exposed to toxins can be pollution in the air. It could be the pesticides that are sprayed that you walk by and you inhale through your nose. It could be the pesticides on your shoes that are aerosolized up into your air in your room and you inhale. So by the way, take your shoes off at the front door. So this isn't happening. When you break down that toxin, whatever it may be, it'll uh, form a more toxic metabolite. And if it gets stuck there, it does more damage. So you need to then um, clear it by packaging it into a water-loving molecule so we can poo, pee, or sweat it out, right? So that's why we want to be pooping every day. That's the other part of optimizing digestion. So could you imagine if any of us did a detox on anyone and they're not pooping every day, we're going to make them worse because it's just going to, those toxins in that active metabolite form are just going to be stuck there in the body, wreaking havoc, making symptoms worse. What else? And then even digestive enzymes so that we're, you know, not malabsorbing things. And I always say, you know, how do we tell good digestion? You know, turn around and look in the toilet. It's one long snake in the toilet at least once a day. Um, it's drinking your water. It's eating your fiber. And so that's why it's important is because you don't want toxic metabolites hanging out and you want to have a way in the body to clear those toxins so you're not made worse. Absolutely. You know, I I like to explain that detox. And I, I'm glad you said that about juice cleanses because I'm like, you're just getting high on your toxins because the amino acids are necessary to get it to the last step. So they're just getting recirculated. But, you know, it's kind of like cleaning out a house. You know, if you're going to clean out the stuff in the brain, which is the attic, and you're going to clean out everything in your kitchen pantry and, you know, all the old clothes out of your closets, you got to make sure that the garage door is open and that everything's exiting the garage door to the dumpster or it's going to get stuck. Like it's, it's, in, there's an order of things and you don't start at the attic and move through. You start at the garage and the dumpster and go backwards, which means you got to be sweating. You got to be peeing and you got to be pooping. I love that analogy. Can I borrow that with my patients? I'll, I'm happy to give you credit. Absolutely. It's, it's just the reality of it, you know, and anytime you're trying to detox somebody, you actually start at the end of the process and work backwards rather than forwards. And so I agree with you completely. So let's let's flip forward a little bit because you are very much into longevity. You and I both love genetics, right? And let's talk a little bit about how do we promote and and think about longevity and, and people's genetics and how do we sort of optimize those? Because I think people worry that if they're genetically wired for, let's say, something unfavorable, like a APOE gene or something like that, that they're kind of screwed, right? Which we know that's that's not true. But how do you go about it? 
Yeah. So I have, um, and you probably do the same. I've done this, the genetics piece long ago. And again, we are all pushed by our patients. So I am so grateful for my patients that in the early days, over a decade ago, that I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And that was using a functional medicine approach. So it pushed me to learn more and more and more and get better and better and craft this. And so as you had said, our genetics are not our destiny. It's how, if the gene expresses, and we are constantly turning off defective genes to stay in balance. And we can do that through a healthy diet, lifestyle, and even gentle nutrients. So there are some markers in the blood I'll look at to give me just some subtle clues. So I can reverse engineer it. So I, I run genetics on my high performers who really want to mitigate any bad outcome, but I don't just treat the genes. What are the symptoms? What are the labs? What are the genetics and is it actually expressing? So that's the order. Never just look at the genes. And then say in general, I tell people, you should we should all be living like we have cancer, meaning that we should be living so healthy that we're never ever going to get cancer, right? Why, you know, when you get it, you don't want to say it's too late. There's been so many profound reversals, but you want to say, let's do this now. And then same with APOE, right? You want to live like maybe you do have the Alzheimer's gene. And so why don't we want to protect our brain health? Because regardless, one in two people, when they hit 80, are going to have dementia. The odds are not great. And I don't know the stats on APOE gene, but I don't think it's 50% of us carry a copy of it. Um, I think it's less than that. And so there's more, you know, there's more to that. So just because you don't have one of the APOE genes that predisposes doesn't mean what you're doing, your diet lifestyle. And so that's just a preface. So how I approach it is, I reverse engineer it when I don't run it. And I'm looking at three things. What's the history and exam? What are the clinical lab markers showing me to then decide on what, how I'm going to support that gene, if at all, or just be aware of it. And I did have a gene crop up. That was my journey. It's not everyone's, but I am finding the same thing. Do you want to know what that is? Oh, yeah. So there, most genes have two copies. So one from mom, one from dad. And some of the glutathione genes can have zero, one, or two copies. And there are three significant ones in my mind. So GSTM1, GSTT1, and GSTP1. And of the two, I have zero copies for two of the three. And one of the third is partially mutated. And so that told me when I finally figured out, you know, the whole reason I got into functional medicine was I read an article on glutathione. I had no idea this is my issue. And I read it. Isn't that like the law of attraction? I'm like, wow, this article describes every single fatigue patient. What is this functional medicine? And that's how I dove down the the rabbit hole in that. And I actually was advised, I went to my first conference by the rep. I happened to land on a, you know, we would go through the little showroom and you talk to the different reps. It was a glutathione rep. And it's actually my favorite form of glutathione. That's liposomal, doesn't smell, and it's in capsule form. And that's the number one product I use in, in the glutathione line. And so at any rate, he said, oh, you must be so excited to go see your kids. At the time, we were living in abroad in the Middle East, and I had to fly from LA to the Middle East. I said, I am, but I have suffered with jet lag that's gotten worse and worse and worse. It takes me almost four weeks to recover. And mind you, I was only like early 40s. That's terrible. Four weeks? Like typically it's a week, right? And it got longer and longer. And he said, here, take some glutathione. And again, I hadn't done the deep dive. I had no idea what I'm taking. Go get some melatonin and down the road at the Whole Foods. And I started it that day. So I was on it for a day or two. And within three days, I had no evidence of feeling awful from the jet lag. So that's significant. And so I support myself differently because I know my genes, I can run my labs. So I don't tell people to just run out and get some glutathione, but it needs to be looked at if someone's so, so sick. And then from a longevity standpoint, another story. So 
You know, we all have, as we age, we then have aging parents if we're lucky enough to still have parents. And I've watched my mom, my my champion in life, who worked three jobs to make sure we all had a great education. And, you know, I'll never forget this past October, I drove back to what was supposed to be to hang out with her because she's not really that safe physically to be alone. She's mentally all there. And she had the misfortune of having a hospitalization. And here's a woman who's worked all her life. And I just saw her in that that bed and she just looks so old and like, it was so sad. And I'm like, when did it come to this? What if I had only known what I know now then could we have prevented? Because her physical body is failing her. And that's where we say her lifespan is not matching her health span right now. Her health is that it's very difficult to get her out of her house. I don't want this for anyone. So that's inspiring me knowing now that I've done the deep dive, probably like you too, Betty, is let's look at this a pace of which we're aging and what is our biologic age. And I'd love to kind of expose your audience to this concept so they're aware and they can ask their own providers or practitioners about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to go into the biological age. You know, you and I are glutathione sisters. I, I've, I've actually played my entire genetic history on, on a podcast. I just like, let's talk exactly what's going on with my genetics. So I've shared it with the world. And I cannot produce or recycle glutathione. I mean, it's just, yeah, I was like, well, everything's illuminated now that I understand that. So let's, let's talk. So let's go into biological aging. Cause I, I would bet that a lot of my listeners may not understand what biological aging really means. Yeah. So there's a test on the market that now there's more than one, but just a few years ago, there wasn't any. And, you know, one came to light just within the last few years and now they're cropping up. But your chronological age is how old you are. So if your birthday is 1960, then you know you're what? What does that make us? 63 years old, right? That's your chronologic age. The biologic age looks at everything that's influenced it. And so it measures how well are you doing DNA methylation and uh, a slew of markers that says, how old are you really? The way I like to think about it is, do you know some people who have like, when you look at them, this person's 50 and this person's 50, but this person looks like they're in their 30s and this one looks like they're in their 70s. So that's a good way to say that one person is the one that looks like they're in their 70s is aging faster. And the studies have shown that if you can just reduce that biologic age by seven years younger than your true age, that you can reduce, you know, chronic diseases by 50%, you know, and that's what we want to do. We want to have our health span match our lifespan. So we have quality of life till the end. And that's what my goal is, right? And I hope everyone's goal is that. And so I was able to find in, you know, my now, and sadly it is affected by things, you know, sleep and stress are huge. And what do we do when we're in medical training? We're sleep deprived. What do we do? And the stress levels are high. And what do you do when you're a new mom? You're sleep deprived. And I did obstetrical deliveries for five years. I took phone call and was up all night, randomly, intermittently for years. So that puts you behind the gun. So now I have a benchmark of, yes, I might be slightly older. But happily, there's another way you can measure aging, and it's called the pace of aging. So it tells you how fast are you aging. And so I was able to determine with my lab test that I'm aging less than one year per one year, which is what you want. So I'm aging at 0.9 years per every one year. And so the slowest you can build measures down to 0.6. So yeah, I, I now have a benchmark. I'm like opting to do. That means that I'm not aging as quick as someone else who's my age, which is great. And that really reflects what I'm doing in the here and now. And is what I'm doing now appropriate? Is that preventing that terrible aging process? It doesn't have to be. You know, I always tell people fatigue, brain fog, um, weight gain, 
all of it. It's not a normal part of aging. You can defy age. And I said this to my daughter, I think your listeners, and she's a teenager. I said, your father and I are reverse aging. She's like, that's not true. You're just aging slower. Because I told her we were reverse aging. <laughs> so cheeky, that one. Um, and then the last measure of this test for aging is what is your immune age? And let me tell you why it's important. So they did, so it measures two different cells in the body and the ratio of them. It's not really important what they are, but I'll just state them. So CD4 and CD8, and it gives you the ratio of CD4 to CD8. And they found that a hundred year olds, so centenarians, there was zero centenarians that had a CD4 to CD8 less than 1.0. So the sweet spot is between one and four. And my husband and I are right in the middle. So you want to do something about that because that means your immune system is already starting to fail. And we have so much immune, a lot of our process, like illnesses today, they're all autoimmune based. Well, and if you look at all the chronic diseases, whether it's cancer, you know, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, they're all immune and inflammation related, right? We use different terminology in different ways in which we look at it, but the immune system is playing a role. Yeah. So who wouldn't want to know there how, how fast they're aging and what their bio, I mean, I just think because there's, tangible things we can do to improve outcome. So for the audience, your audience listening, it's not just to say, oh, we have these data, but we can't do anything. You can definitely do things from, from diet to lifestyle to even uh, things called peptides, which is, I think, really going to be, if you want to have health span match lifespan, it's probably going to include either peptides or something called bioregulators, which are naturally occurring substances um, that are no different than the breakdown product of protein, amino acids. So largely safe. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's important for people to really hear that and understand that it's important to look at these things, but it, it is because it gives you direction. I don't believe doing testing that doesn't give direction is valuable. Not, you know, it might be esoterically interesting, but, but you can actually march this number backwards and and fairly quickly. You can do a lot. So let's let's go into peptides because that gets probably some play. People have heard about it and they probably heard, you know, the FDA gets twitchy and pulls one off the market. And let's talk about what peptides are. What would you say your top couple peptides that people should consider? Yeah. So peptides, as I had said, are, are amino acids. So amino acids are breakdown products of protein. Our body produces a peptide everyone has probably heard of called insulin. So that is a peptide. You know, one of the peptides is getting all the rage and weight loss, which is semaglutide. I think there's a role for it. I really do. Like there are people that you and I both know, you and I both treat a lot of women. We do a lot within the weight loss industry that my viewpoint has changed. Like I think for the person that has been instructed on diet and lifestyle and has those terrible markers for being pre-diabetic and really struggles that's the perfect person. But for the average person who hasn't even implemented diet, it's, you know, a loaded gun. You're just giving them something that they're not going to support because all peptides work better when the nutrients are supported, when you're eating healthy. What would you add to that definition? I always try to find a way to explain that in uh, easier terms, but I hope that's making sense. Yeah. I mean, it's so peptides are naturally occurring. Our body produces all these peptides. And so we can synthesize and create these peptides. They're not a drug because they're a string of amino acids that our body produces. But when you introduce them, either through IV or a, a muscle push or even an oral, like I think the one is um, that's most common that people think about is BPC-157. I mean, that's been researched to show that it helps restore gut integrity. It helps with muscle recovery and just rebuilding in the body. It, 
whether it's damage or whatever, it's something our body produces, but we can give it supplementally to help what may not be as good at happening today because we're older. Let's, you know, I don't know if I haven't really looked at this, but I'm, I'm sure if you were to look at the production of peptides and especially some of these restorative peptide chains, kids pump them out like candy. And, you know, when we're older, it's like you just can't do it very well. I, I think it's a, a huge opportunity to bring these in in long, longevity and anti-aging. And, you know, it's just pharma. Pharma gets twitchy because they can't make as much money off of it, <laughs> you know, because they are naturally occurring. Yeah. And yeah, to piggyback off of that, too, is uh, when you think about it. Um, so say a woman's going through menopause and they're debating on the fence with should I be on estrogen or bioidentical hormones? So it's not just estrogen to backtrack with the peptides. What happens is whenever we give hormones, you're going to downregulate the receptors. So heaven forbid you stop someone's hormone therapy. The receptors are lower, so they're not, they're going to feel the effects and it takes a long time for us to regenerate receptors. So that's what binds the hormones when they're, so it can produce an end effect, an effect in the body. And when you get peptides, you can go on and off them and you may even want to cycle them, meaning, you know, very low risk to the average person with a lot of gains. So let's segue. You said top five. I would agree with you. BPC-157. Uh, a fantastic one. So body protection composition formula or something like that. I always forget what the, what the terms are, but it does heal the intestinal lining. So great for someone when you're doing a gut healing protocol. And in fact, I had a gal who um, kept getting into trouble with acid reflux and there there's a whole story behind that, but she was really difficult to control. The first time we got her beautifully controlled with reflux, nomads, and she recurred and you can actually open. So if you want it to work in the intestine, you keep it in the capsule. If you want it to work in the esophagus or gut, you put it, mix it in water. And so that's what we had her do. And she's largely after a couple months of just doing BPC twice a day, orally, obviously mixed in water. So it could target her esophagus and stomach because that's all they saw was a little redness. So she didn't have an ulcer. And for her, it was stress and foods are, were a big contributor for her. So that is my favorite. And like you said, um, getting uh, people on it so they recover post-operatively would be a great way to do it. Um, you can give it in, injected near an injured site. I don't inject them yet. I have done so many joint injections. So it will probably the next thing I add. And then seg, so that's probably the number one. It's easy. People aren't afraid. And I'd have to say, you know, these needles, when you're talking about doing self-injection, they're insulin needles. They're not even, I don't know, a quarter of an inch long, so thin. And it's a quick, you know, inject it, you know, once a day. Some of them are multiple times a day. I'd probably say the next two that go hand in hand are the growth hormone releasing peptides and the growth, the ones that produce and release hormones. So there's the GRHs and GRH. P's. I always get the initials, but my top two are uh, CJC and ipramorelin. I use them hand in hand. And the way to think about this is these are peptides that help our body produce growth hormone. It is not growth hormone, which is largely illegal unless you have a medical indication in the United States. Um, and so one helps you produce it. And one is so like filling up your gas tank and one helps you release it into the body. And it's beautiful. It dosed once a day, or twice or three times a day, depending on what you need. And I'd say, be careful about less is not more. So if someone's super stressed out and you give them three times a day and their goal is weight loss, you're probably going to get them to retain weight because they're 
they're just so stressed that something called their, their aldosterone and cortisol are not being produced like they should. So they're going to water retain. But once a day, the effects that we've seen is a subtle increase in libido, uh, increased ability to recover from exercise. So think about anyone, 40, 50 plus, even 60 plus, oh, it takes me a little longer to recover from exercise. I can't go that nine yards. You know, I can only walk so far. I can't exercise every day for five days. I've got to go every other. And so that is huge. And really it's increasing your cells ability to be effective efficiency. And that's, you want your cells to start working better. I mean, as we age, they don't work as well. Anything you'd add to that. So those are probably my next two that I use after VPC. No, I think I think you said said it perfectly. It's it's they're all about helping your body kind of do what it's supposed to be doing in a targeted sort of measured way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And quick on and off typically I do cycle in 3 months on, take a month off, and when you stop people don't feel worse all of a sudden, which is the beauty of them. Very limited, very just maybe sight uh, reactions and very limited on that. And then I'll segue into really just, I think, because for those of us who have glutathione issues and have been subject to mitochondrial dysfunction, you know, anyone who's fatigued has mitochondrial dysfunction, pretty much anyone who has chronic diseases has mitochondrial dysfunction. And so I like modesty. It's, it is definitely worth the investment and it's an investment and you can dose it three times a week. And let me give an example. So I had a cyclist who wanted to get to a goal of riding 55 miles by his 55th birthday and was finding it hard to ride for more than an hour, hour and a half. Um, and he rode 90 minutes hard doing interval training and said, oh, I felt like I could have gone another half hour. So of course, if you're training that hard, you want to support with diet and nutrients too. But that's pretty incredible. And personally, I'm like, God, I already feel well. But I just feel like my energy is just source. And then you can do that for, and we're st- I'm starting to use it in the long haulers uh, to help support that because we know the mitochondria. That's why everyone gets fatigue and brain fog to support those symptoms. So three times a week for a while, and then you can back them down to maybe even once a week or maybe not at all when they're feeling good. So kind of on and off with that one. But that one, I'll tell you. I love it. <laughs> it's- uh, I haven't used that. So I, yeah, add that to my list of things. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Typically 500 micrograms three times a week um, and then back it down. Some people say two times a week and then you could do weekly, but it really, I'll tell you, like I said, I am all about the energy. I always feel like I have a great energy. And when I find something that makes mine soar higher, I'm like, is that possible? You know, <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel any worse when I'm not on it or, you know, it just is an added boost. So it's great for people to think about if they have been fatigued for a long period of time. And then we'd be amiss not to mention the thymus peptides. So I like uh, thymusin alpha one. So it's back on the market. I don't, I'm not certain what version was taken off, but it was banned. And again, our thymus gland is so funny. When I think about medical school, I'm like, do we even learn about the thymus gland? No, I don't know. I have to pull my books. I probably have one on my shelf behind me from the day. I kept the physiology one because that always, I really want to know how things work. And I know you do too, Betty, is to say, how does it work? So then I can figure out how to fix it. But the thymus gland starts involuting at 15 and by 40, it's fully involuted. And definitely by 80, there's a point in no return. So you can support the formation, you know, uh, you know, the, the function of the thymus gland so that your immune system functions properly. And this is what I've started to introduce in the long haulers as well, because 
Um, I used to think it was mitochondrial dysfunction, but likely it's immune dysfunction that led to the mitochondrial dysfunction. So we're supporting immune and then supporting the mitochondria. So those are probably going to be my top two here for the long haulers. And I'll keep you guys all posted on that. So that would be, what is that now? We're up to four, right? And I have a few more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, give me your your next top one. Um, beyond that, I've just started to reach for C-Link and C-Max for memory and brain fog. And C-Link's gotten some, it's a nasal spray. So for people who are injection adverse is a lot of great uh, data on the anxiety. So rapid responders, maybe within a few short days. Now I've certainly have, I had people not respond. Well, yes. I mean, you have to go into it with an open mind and say, Hey, this works for most people. Let's see how it goes. It's always going to be, everyone responds differently. And that's the art of medicine to say, is this going to continue, but you can alternate the two. And for some people, it's going to turn the brain right back on so that they're more functional. Remember with, uh, when you're cognitive decline, you got to reverse that. My preference is is when it's brain fog. When you're getting into short-term memory loss, you can get a lot of gains, but super hard to reverse that short-term stuff. And what you're trying to do is slow the progression, get as much gains as you can to give that person the best quality of life if they're so far gone when they come in. So if you have brain fog, if anyone's listening, if you have brain fog now and you walk into the room and you don't know why you did, or you're constantly misplacing your keys, now is the time to address it. Next year or the year after, it's too late. It is. You know, I've stopped taking patients because it's so hard to help someone that can't remember what they're supposed to do unless they have a caregiver. And that's so rare that someone's going to implement every step for them. I have them. I have people come to me and say, hey, I have a caregiver or, or I have a, a aging parent or a loved one. And can you help me? Sure, I'm going to help them. But they have to have someone that's going to facilitate the supplement regimen, the peptides, the, you know, it's labor intensive for someone who does have a memory. So if you have brain fog, address it now. Yeah. Don't wait for, you know, finally someone to, when your family members start noticing it, because let's face it, when you start having a little bit of brain fog and you can't remember things, the first person to deny and hide is you. You know, you, you walk into a room, you can't remember that person's name. You're like, Hey girl, that's because you can't remember that person's name. Or you're like, oh, I'm just having a menopausal moment. I left my keys in the refrigerator or whatever. <laughs> you know, Like silly things like that. Like you start pretending that it's not there and you start hiding it. But when your family starts noticing it, at that point, chances are the cognitive decline is, is somewhat pronounced. And if anything, someone's going to get diagnosed with pre-Alzheimer's, which is mild cognitive decline, which in traditional medicine, somebody's just going to let you sit there until it becomes Alzheimer's. And then you start an Alzheimer's drug. That may help some of the symptoms, maybe, but accelerates the disease state and actually accelerates the decline. You know, so brain health programs, I know you obviously were doing one for a long time. We do them in our clinic. And I'm always like, man, we want to get you before it's there. We can do a lot if we have some mild to moderate. But when it's mild to moderate, it's all hands on deck. And you better have somebody that can do a lot for you if you can't pick out your supplements and prepare your foods and that kind of stuff. Because it is and it's not something you do for a period of time and then you stop. As soon as you stop those healthy behaviors, the acceleration starts again, but you can do a lot, but it's better to get it early. Yeah. And you know that I'd love to share one more thing with your audience is that, you know, know, we're all, most of us are women. And I know you have a large female following is that, you know, you are enough and you are worth it. And if you don't place the emphasis on you, everyone else is going to put their agenda on your plate from whether it's scheduling or whether you're interested in uh, taking action on your healthcare, 
you're worth it. So um, I, I've had a lot of high performers come through that were disabled from work that say the man who has has no health has only one wish and one dream, and that's to have their health back. And that's all you can focus on. And it's not a good place to be. I've had people share they felt like ending their lives and not to paint that bad scenario. But for women, we oftentimes, you know, how many of us, whether you're a mother or not, whether you're a business owner or not, is that we take on a lot, right? Is to to really make time for you, to really make time for your health. And one of the participants in my programs, I said, well, what made you choose you? She was, I decided I was worth it. And it was important. So I would emphasize that. And we're all you know, you all get in and out of balance, right? And it's not about being in balance 100%. It's course correcting. And I like to course correct by evaluating. So if you're not evaluating, like, and, you know, I started this Friday fun day, probably during the, oh, it must've been pre-pandemic because we weren't wearing masks with my, and included only fun things. So it did not include business items, but I made sure all the meetings I had that day, if I had one or two, I had less of them. I was outdoors with my dog. Um, I picked my daughter up from school. We'd just go into our little downtown area. So it was strictly fun. But my like, Crete every day is a fun day. Find joy every day. So you let go of, you know, some of maybe the details or nitty gritty of what we talked about. But find that joy. Structure your days that bring you joy and uh, allow you to live in the moment and be grateful for, for everything. Yeah, we need to make it uh daily credits, almost like daily deposits into our life experiences, because yeah, at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. There's no, there's no luggage rack on a hearse. So earning more money or, you know, earning your credit points with, you know, everybody thinks you're a martyr or, you know, at your own expense, if you're expending all this energy for other people and taking care of others, which is a a form of love for sure. But if it's at your own expense and you're not putting credits in it to yourself, it's at a loss. You know, nobody, nobody says they wish they could have worked more or they could have had more to-do lists or, you know, the perfect table setting or whatever your story might be. Like we, we want at the end of the day, more experiences with the people we love and care about. And that means you have to make deposits in it on a regular basis. Oh, I love that. Make deposits. All right. That's what I'm going to look at it. So Dr. Rika, you have a gift, I think, that you want to give my listeners, the Guide to Infinity Energy, and we'll link to that in the show notes so everybody can go get it from the show notes and download it. And is there anything else? Tell my listeners how they can find you. Uh, so predominantly three different ways. So the website is drrika.com, and I know you'll have the link in your show notes. And it's I always tell people my name is Rika, 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 rhymes with Micah, Micah, Micah. I've used a variety of things that tends to stick, right? And um, I always like to pronounce people's names well on Instagram. So you're going to see me uh, getting more vocal there to spread the word because I can't tell you how many people I've made reference to one or two health changes they could do. And they come back a year later and say, wow, that changed my life. So if I can change someone's life with just one or two tips, I'm going to do it. And that's on Instagram. I'm also at D-R-R-A-J-K-A, just like my website. And I have a Facebook page. Uh, that is just the group is forward slash Dr. Rika. So facebook.com forward slash Dr. Rika. And so that's how people can find me. I do have a um, free Facebook group, but I think those three are kind of the top three find me on. And you can find resources in each of those sorts, um, each of those sites. And then um, you're right. I do have the 10 days to infinite energy guide. So hopefully make people have even more energy than they have now. Yep. Yeah. But I think we could all use a little more energy, right? Well, thank you for joining me, Dr. Rika. Yay! You're welcome, Betty. It was such an honor to be on your show.
Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Menopause Mastery. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Menopause Mastery Podcast. You are why I'm here, and I am so very grateful. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode has helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD and you can reach me online at BettyMurray.com. 